Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Wednesday to you all. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. This is a semi-weekly program that kind of goes over the the reality that if you're growing in grace, you're not going to arrive anywhere. We're all growing. We're still growing. And I think that's really important. I know there are different times in our lives where we think we've we've arrived at a certain topic. I now get this. And uh, years later, we suddenly realize, oh, that was there's more. There's a lot more. Well, that's what this is all about. So today I have a, a special guest uh, named Rainy Childress. Uh, you're going to love this conversation. Um, uh, honestly, this is this topic of addictions. This, today is called Freedom from Addictions, and he's going to share what he does in down in Alabama and how he ministers to individuals and helps people uh, that really are struggling with addictions. But I've noticed that uh, you're going to hear this in the, in the conversation, but shame is one of the key foundations that leads us, guilt and shame, that leads us into these patterns of addictions. If it's, if it's uh, uh, drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, um, gambling, you name it, these, these, these addictions come from usually from messages that deal with some pretty big issues. The, the addictions are the symptoms. And so it made me think of the church, <laughs> um, that the system of churchianity has done the same kind of thing, where uh, they love putting on shame and guilt to control you, to keep you in the fold, to make you do what they want you to do. And again, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm also not. Um, not everybody has experienced that, but I've met many people uh, and I've been part of the system that, that contributed to it. Maybe not as intensely, but definitely contributed to, Hey, you need to do this. You need to tithe or God's going to get you, or, um, you know, you need to go to church or you're not a good Christian or whatever. Read your Bible every day. What? Like, why, why, why? Um, we're not motivated from the heart. So when we get these shaming messages, we run into patterns. And unfortunately, people can be addicted to even church, going and doing things, because that's just the pattern. They don't have to think, as in they don't have to think. You just go and do what they tell you. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it over the top a bit because there are some that are so entrenched in this, they can't see it unless it is seen as over the top. But my heart today is that you're, you're going to incur, uh, be encouraged by this message and this conversation. So let's get into this interview. I think you're going to like it. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. And I am here with my older friend, Rainy. And so uh, older friend meaning I've known for some years and uh, we didn't really connect uh, in conversations until recently. Um, but we've had mutual connections all along the way. And that's how we got to know each other. So, Rainy, where do you live right now? Well, I live in a little small town in uh, northeast Alabama, Springville, Alabama. It's not too far from Birmingham. Do people ever tell you you talk funny? Well, I, actually, Alabama, you know, uh, through my ministry and things, and I have some, uh, you know, some affiliates over in Africa, and they all know that Alabama is the capital of the world. Oh. And that everybody else talks about. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Rainy, the reason I brought you on, I want to introduce you to uh, the Canadian audience and uh, some others that listen too. But um, you do something pretty cool uh, in the way of recovery ministry. Uh, is that correct? What, what, give me a quick update on that. And then I want to talk about your spiritual journey if we get around okay. to all that stuff. I want to be careful okay. of your time too. Well, I worked, uh, you know, I worked for over 30 years as a substance abuse counselor, you know, of course, starting out as just a ground level uh, certified counselor. And I ended up as a, you know, clinical director of several programs before I retired out due to some health problems at the time. But I still 
serve as the chaplain at the biggest men's treatment center in Alabama. It's called Rapa, you know, like from the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, healing for the hurting is kind of like the motto. That's cool. But I still serve there, and I have a ministry. It's called Grace Ministries at Rapa. But we've also added on a title now since we reach out internationally. We call ourselves also known as Trinitarian Grace International. And we have a Trinitarian view of recovery. What uh, does that mean? Well, that mean you do the sign of the cross for people as you pray for them or what? Yeah, we dunk them in the water and hold them until they beg me to let them go. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's either get straight. That's real recovery. <laughs> I'll drown you. You know, but that kind of, that's kind of like the old, old uh, religion stuff, right? You know, if you don't love me, I'll kill you. you oh, know? my goodness. Yeah. Oof. Right. <laughs> but we have a, I, I've changed my view of, of, of treatment and recovery over the years because I, I'm, I'm myself as a, quote, recovering person. Uh, and, uh, of course, our motto is we're all recovering from something. And the thing is, it's like uh, I agree with Steve McVeigh about this. One problem, I think, addicts and alcoholics and other people with other uh, hang-ups, we try too hard we try too hard to do it and we end up trying to do it ourselves. Hmm. where I say now let's relax and get Christ involved in it. But do you, do you think that's because people are embarrassed and want to control how people perceive them and shame is preventing them from reaching out for help? Do you think that's part of it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've taught for years and I believe it to be so that all people that's got serious issues, especially with substance abuse, they're shame based. That's what their their base is built on shame. In that base, that change has to stop and be. Jesus Christ is the foundation. I know that uh, I've told a lot of guys before because I've dealt with guys that, that, that that's been repeat offenders, so to speak, in and out of the system all the time. And I've told them, I said, what I see is you guys, you you get the house cleaned up. You know, you gain a little weight, you get the healthy, you get back feeling good. And you go out, and it's just like it says in the scriptures, you didn't build a foundation, and you, the house gets washed away again. And if you build a good, solid foundation, the house can get blown down. Because, you know, I worked years ago uh, being, a quote, a former inmate myself many years ago. Really? I uh, had to work, help clean up after some tornadoes here. And I noticed one thing out across the field when the houses were all blown away, you could still see the foundation sitting everywhere. Mm. And I've used that analogy with recovering people. Your foundation may still be there after you get blown away by these little trials and troubles we're going to face in life. But if you still got that foundation, you can always rebuild on it. Mm. And uh, anyway, that's just kind of, that's part of our philosophy, but we, we believe that uh, that Christ is in everyone, whether you know it or not. He's there, and that God's not mad at you. I heard I had a guy. He wrote a little article for uh, the, the the program that I used to work with, Rafa. They were getting people to write little blurbs about what they got out of the program, and one of them ended up writing about the chapel instead of writing about the treatment. He said, guys kept trying to get me to go to the chapel service on Sundays, and it's in a little rustic chapel. They said, I ain't care about all that old religion, so I didn't want to go. And he said, they kept saying, well, look, man, they give you cookies and candy and coffee, and you can come out there. And, and he said, so I went. And he said, I sat way in the back. You know, and he says, and this guy, this kind of guy got up. And they said, well, he's the preacher. And he's, he said, I started thinking. He don't look like a preacher. And he said, the first thing he said was, hey, guys, the first thing I want to let all of you know in your families is God's not mad at you. And he said, you know, it's funny. That's the first time in my life I had ever heard anyone tell me that God's not mad at me. He said, and then the guy's wife got up and said a prayer. He said, she seemed like a real Christian. And he said, <laughs> and said then he got back up. 
and started preaching. And he said he started talking about how that he didn't do altar calls because he didn't have God hid behind the podium and that Jesus is right there and you all you had to do is just think it and there you go and start a relationship and, and participate. You know how many churches can get kicked out of for saying that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's why I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I told the guy, I, and I did say that. I said, listen, I don't want to ever get into church bashing or all that. Right. All I'm saying is, if you go to a serve, chapel service, any gathering that you go to, I said, I told him, I said, when you finish this program, you go back to your, your home, because a lot of them are from other towns, other states even. I said, try to get connected with somebody to keep your spirit, to remain spiritually fit. I said, but if you go there and you feel worse when you leave than you did when you got there, run, run and don't forest, forest, run forest. <laughs> I said, cause you should be, I said, I said, if it's of, of God, father, son, spirit, it'll be uplifting. Mm. It'll be encouraging. It'll be about how good you are and how loved you are. It's not about how bad you are, how you're going to be roasted like a Winnie if you don't do certain things, <laughs> you know. And I says, this make sure that they're uplifting you. And I says, and, and that's the main thing. And I said, all the rest of it can be worked out. I said, but don't don't buy into the. I said, look, a lot of us we've been our whole life worried about what God was going to do, do to us, you know, about all that sin. Do you realize that most of those individuals already had a concept that God is good, but they're really confused because they hear from the church that God's mad. And so they're wondering, well, I can't be, I must be wrong because I don't have all that background. Right. So I think truth has already been put into each of us. So when that guy heard you say, God's not mad, he already knew the truth and truth is uh, attracted to truth. Light is attracted to light. And so when he spoke it, it was a fusion of truth going, (gasps) something woke up. So we're speaking to the light that is in others. I I absolutely agree with you, Mike, that all you're doing is just, it's kind of like, if, if you've ever done it, be like, if you ever went camping or anything out outdoors and you'll start a, a little fire and you, you got to blow on it, got to blow on it. A little I've watched bit. survivor. I know how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I've actually done it. <laughs> and you blow it and the fire starts flaming. That's the same thing. I think we're just kind of blowing in the, the fire flames up, you know, even the, the, you know, darkness cannot survive in light. And like I said, I'm a, a former inmate, and so I've been. I, I was in that setting year many years ago, and I was around. Uh, well, I lived a life of darkness for a long time, but even though I didn't re- realize it, but I was around some fellows that would be considered by society as evil. I mean, quote serial killers, all that. And I'd been around, and I watched them over. I learned my years of incarceration. I, it was a good training ground for me, and I like graduate school, so to speak, because I watched some of those. But guys. You don't recommend that for everybody as a pattern. No, I don't recommend that school for everybody. Please don't do that. <laughs> it's not all that much fun, I guarantee you. But they say, but I watched those guys, even the ones with the darkest, quote, hearts. And little streams of light would sneak out of them. Acts of kindness. They even with the ones, and that's why I believe, that's what confirms to me that Christ is in everyone. And even the ones that are living awful lives, there's times when they just can't help that light creeping out. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And it creeps out even with the darkest person. Well, the more cracked you are, the more yeah, places it, it can come out. Then it starts streaming out. And I, I remember covering my head up, <laughs> smoking marijuana, <laughs> reading the Bible. This is in prison. Not wanting anyone to see me doing it because if they see me reading the Bible, I'd be considered weak, right? 
because you had folks that run around with a Bible on their arm, you know, were not thought real highly of it, just doing it for protection or whatever. It, it's the same way out in public. They're not thought real highly of either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bible, Bible thumping. <laughs> but, uh, but then when they're back in, anyway, same thing, same <laughs> thing. But it finally got to, uh, well, I wrote a thing. <clears throat> I'll share with you sometime. I wrote a thing about my journey. It's like one page. It's called Paces. And it's about me pacing myself. But I wrote it years later when I was pacing my office as executive director of a program. And I was like, how in the world did I end up in this from that to here? And it's going back to what we started out talking about. At first, I had to see, I had to look in the mirror and say, eventually saw who I really was and who I really am and my identities in Jesus Christ, just like everyone. But I had to also see, admit I had a problem with all these other issues that I substituted alcohol, drugs, sex, violence, you know, fighting, uh, you know, putting up a facade to show, you know, and it, it really, all I was doing is, it, it, I got this concept that we, we're born whole, complete. We're complete. We're, we're just absolutely complete. And then we're step out into the world and we immediately start getting taught that we're not complete. So, okay, now I got to go find out how I'm get complete. So I go off and do it with booze and drugs and women and chasing money and, ch you know, it won't be a tough guy and all that kind of stuff. And that don't work. It don't work. And you, you find out that you've spent, you'd be like me, I spent, you know, it was like I'd spent half my life searching for what I already had. Well, isn't it funny that almost all of the little tracks that they give out for people, especially in prison, you know, that once they say, here, come to know Jesus, it begins with the lie. You are sinful and separated from God. It begins with that. So you start your whole religious journey on separation. It's like, what? And I didn't catch that for a long time. Now I see it. it's like, don't feed that garbage to anybody anymore. Right. You know, and here's people, especially people with drug addictions and you know, in prisons and jails and this, but you know, people are in all kinds of prisons. There's people out here running around. I mean, I'm sitting here in an office, uh, you know, just today looking at, I can see people out on the streets in this little town here. Some of them are in prison and don't even know it. Yeah. But they, but they, they look at people like me because, you know, I got the scarlet letter, you know, most people know I've been to prison. Most people know I've done this and that. And there's people, I don't, I know you probably find it hard to believe, but there's still people that don't like me. What? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's happening, but they just, they don't like me from, they think that I'm still the person that they thought was 40 years ago. Ouch. You know what I mean? I do. But I'm not that, I mean, I never was that person to start with. And now I'm closer, you know, I'm not there. I haven't arrived, of course, but I am much closer to being who I really am than I ever have in my life because I look in the mirror. I told the folks Sunday when I spoke, I said, when you get up, look in the mirror and you look for Jesus in the mirror. And then you can try to look for him in everyone else. And I said, it's hard to be mean to people if you think they're Jesus, right? What if, or, or you're looking behind, trying to see behind yourself. Where is he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And I, I said, if you look at, you look and see, the, see Jesus in the mirror, by, you ought to be able to see him in anybody. Because who can't, are we on? Say that again. That was critical. I said, when you look in the mirror and see Jesus in you, you definitely need probably able to see him as other people because we're harder on ourselves than we are other people. So if you cannot see him in yourself, you're not going to chance him. you're going to see it in any no, way. Uh, no way. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like I did a, a, I don't even call them sermons. I don't even use, I, I don't even, I don't know about you, Mike, but I've just got to where I don't even like to use churchy terms, you know? I know. I'm, I'm trying to ditch them slowly, I but know, they're hard, depends but on I, your culture. I a message or a talk or whatever yep. on Sunday. And I talked about uh, the one about 
the law, the, you know, the, you know, what's the real law? You know, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your neighbors, yourself. And I thought for, for years, people would say, okay, I love God. You know, I love this God guy, you know, all that. And I might even like my neighbor, but they don't ever talk about you not really liking yourself. Mm -hmm. And you don't really like your neighbor because, hey, you don't like yourself. You know, you tolerate him or her, but you don't really, until you start seeing yourself in Christ and Christ in you, I'm never going to see him in the neighbor. I, so, I just. So what does a week look like where you're working now? Because I'm, well, I've I'm only really, heard those snippets of what well, you're doing. Give me, a, give me really, a quick summary. I'm really, I'm really retired. To be honest with you. Re retired me. only means you have new tread. Yeah, I got, I get that. Like today, I'm, my, my stepdaughter is an attorney. And she's out of town, so I'm sitting in her office answering phone for, you know, just because they're her and her kids, my grandkids are on vacation, sort of. So that's where I'm at now in an attorney's office. <laughs> uh, in a, in her, she's, What's your judgment? <laughs> well, hey, and her husband, my son-in-law, is a captain with a local police department. So God's got a sense of humor, you know. I mean, got me, son-in-law's a cop, daughter's a lawyer. I'm a you know, my granddaughter, who's 16 now, when she was five in kindergarten, they told, asked her to tell about her family. And she said, Daddy locks them up, Mama gets them out, Papa, oh, that's me, gets them off drugs, and Mama takes them to church. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but now, I mean, I the COVID, of course, has, you know, backed everything off a little bit. But uh, what I do, usually the, at the treatment center, we have a chapel there we're allowed to use. We have a Wednesday night recovery meeting, Christ Center at LMA. But now we do it through Zoom and in person. And on Sunday mornings, we have a service with the guys there. And hopefully their families will get to, where they come back with them uh, to sit in with them. And we do that now through Zoom as well, in person and Zoom. And we, the Zoom has connected us with people in Africa, all over the United States. Canada. And, yeah, Canada. Oh, yeah. Canadians. Canadians. <laughs> Canadians. They're not heads. Canadians. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, but, you know, that with from Canada and Mexico, a lot, we got a, uh, one of our pastors uh, uh, with our group is in Puerto Rico. And then you've met Gary, our guy, our Gary from Texas, and uh, he's a big part of our ministry. But we uh, we try to help those guys as much as we can. We also we write little uh, morning meditations. We send out to a lot of the meditations I send out through the mail and on post on Facebook. I started doing them as a supervisor at the treatment center for the staff because it was a morale problem. And then it just grew from there. And then it started growing. And you know, now if a lot of people get them. And I stopped, I was about to stop sending them out one time and I started getting all these emails. No, 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 no. We don't always respond to them, but we print them off, put them on the bulletin boards. And then, you know, I said, well, okay, who to thunk it? I, I'm sharing some of them in my long-term care homes when I do devotionals, they've been helpful. Yeah. We're great. Well, I mean, I just started doing it. And I know some days I, I just, something I do in the morning, it's just like, I'll just start, you know, typing. They're fresh but, uh, every day. I do it five days a week. Fresh? Huh? Like in not, not regurgitate, not copy paste, but you write them. I write them every morning. Oh my goodness. Every morning, about four daylight usually. Oh man. Yeah, that's just what, that's my day. That's my morning. That's how I do my meditation. Mm. I get up. My wife knows where I'm going. I go up. My little office is upstairs over my garage. I go up there and get on the computer, and that's when I do them. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I've been doing it. I did it, like I said, just I was doing it, started out to do it temporary, <laughs> and it just turned, it's been, they're going to be going about three or four years now. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I I'm a talker, not a writer. So it's, it's exciting to have some things written. Like I, I speak better than I write because I'm probably impatient. <laughs> well, I love writing. Uh, I'm actually working on a book. 
about myself, but I don't know. You know, you don't really want it to be about myself. I want it to be about the journey. And I got, I like writing short stories. I got some short stories uh, about different things. They're based on true stuff. I got one called the Dreamer Guy, the Jesus Talker Dude, and the Ant versus the uh, Praying Mantis, and that was it was a true story about. Anyway, it's funny. <laughs> I'll send them to you. Let you read them. So you so far I've heard you you do uh, you actually do treatment in the center, but for the the gathering times of people that live far away that could check in, you do a weekly um, Zoom call for those that uh, and this is private, right? It's not a public yeah, that, open forum. Yeah, yeah, it's just I mean uh, by people, invite is what I mean. People get yeah by invite, right? You can right. request an invite, and we'll invite you to participate in our Wednesday night meeting or the Sunday morning meeting, if you want to, yeah. uh, uh, you know, we don't, in those guys, even the guys at the facility for the chapel service, it's not mandatory. It's not like their classes they have to go through. It's not forced. It's strictly volunteer. You know, they just sit in with, and it's usually a good turnout, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so what would you what would you say to individuals and, and in the church world people are a little more secret about their addictions or their oh, propensities yeah. you know if I want to use that's a safer word sometimes because um, usually there's a, a pain that people are responding to it's like that meme I sent you today when I saw that one that's cool you know yeah, you give was. up everything for one thing that's uh, addiction and then recoveries you give up every, uh, give up one thing for everything exactly right that's, that was that's cool very, it so is it's true in in the church world. Um, to somebody who is struggling with whatever de deflection that they're facing, what would you say to them as an encouragement that there's hope that they can get through this without embarrassing themselves? Yeah. How would you respond to somebody like that, whether it's drugs, alcohol, you name it? Uh, who well, knows? you got to find, uh, for, you know, you, obviously I don't want to sound religious and say, oh, just lay it all on the Lord. Find at least one other person mm. in that group and talk to them about it. Mm. And then, you know, one other person, there's something very, very spiritual about connecting with one other human being. You know what I mean? And then it, it, it usually starts from that right there. If, you, if you're close with your pastor or whatever, go to him. And, and if hopefully your pastor is the kind of person who says, you know what, I'm not real I'm just, this is not right. Uh, you know, I'm not real good at this, but I know some people that are, right? You did that. You passed the guy off to us that you said, hey, I, you got issues and stuff. Well, I mean, whatever happened. Well, it was way out of my league. I, I'm a pastor, but unfortunately, the pastor's role these days is so ridiculous for its expectations. They expect us right. to be pros at every single thing, psychology, you name it. We're not. So yeah, I don't want to fake it. And that's why I was able to, well, I learned from somebody else, give it up, pass it on. It, and that's worked out well so far. But see, I'm the same thing. I, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm good working with guys and gals that in the criminal justice system, drugs and alcohol problems, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, if they come to me with something that I'm not good at, I'll be the first to say, look, you know what? I know somebody that you need to talk to and I've done it many times. I'm like, you know, I don't really know a whole lot about that. Let me get you with somebody. But that's the thing is I, I spoke one time, but I will say this about addicts and alcoholics inside the quote church. I was asked to speak one time at an international pastors conference with uh, you've heard of grace community international, right? Yep. GCI. Well, I, you know, I'm, ordained through them, but I'm also through my own ministry. You know, that's just where I got my start, Kyle. And uh, they asked me to speak at their big thing they had in Orlando years ago, pastors from all over the world. And they wanted me to speak about dealing with people with addictions in your congregation. <laughs> I started the, uh, I had a good, I had a good response. I started, I had it set up in the beginning. I had a big mirror behind me, but it was turned backwards. And I started talking, you know, I, I, I'm stumbling and mumbling around up there, walking around. That's the first thing I got to do, folks. And there are a lot of pastors in there, men, women, pastors, and their families or, or spouses. I said, first thing I got to do is show you what they look like 
and then I'll tell you how to deal with them. And they're, they're leaning in. All of a sudden, I had these two big old boys that came up and flipped that mirror over where they could all see themselves. And I said, that's what they look like. Look. And they're looking at themselves. <laughs> now, there was more. That was a setup. 95% of them loved that. But there was about 5% that did not like that one bit. I'm going to guess those were the self-righteous ones. I would. I don't know because they they avoided coming up and shaking hands with me afterwards and left. Because I've spoken, you're. I've I've been asked to speak at like Baptist churches and things in the past. <laughs> Listen, Rainy, if I if I get five percent to enjoy and be thrilled with anything I share, I'm happy. So if you got I, like eighty five or ninety five, that's amazing. Yeah, that well, they well, they 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 bought it. They bought it, and then I talked to them about things like you did, like. Hey, if you don't know anything about alcoholism or drug addiction or or what it's like to be in jail or this or that, I said, send them to somebody that does know about that. I said, and so they can get help. And then they may become that person in your congregation that's the go-to person for that stuff. And I said, you kind of build your own little team from within, so to speak. But this sounds this sounds like the opposite of churchianity or religion. Because churchianity, religion, it tries to shoot for independence. Either the church becomes independent and, and you got to go to them for everything, or uh, the setup that we're all supposed to be independent beings when I just heard you declare interdependence as the true goal, that we need each other. We work in a community, and it doesn't yeah. look like one church. It's a, the body of Christ in all facets Everywhere. of life. And they come out, you can find them, and you can find them in, quote, all kind of different denominations and buildings and all that. You can find them, they're everywhere. Real, real, real Christ followers are everywhere. Yeah. But some of them are trapped in a box of religion, just like Paul Young says, you're not gonna find God in a box unless that's where you are. He'll go in there with you. Yeah, he follows you in there and hangs out with you till you get out. But I mean, everybody, you know, none of us got down pat, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I know one thing, I, and I, I, I probably, my wife says, you don't have a filter, you'll say anything. I said, well, I told her, I said, at least I started saying scuba rather than the other word. I said, I learned that one from uh, Steve McVeigh. <laughs> but but I'll, I'll do it. I, I got the guys at the facilities. I said, you hear that? Just remember, it's bovine scubula. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. I use the word male bovine excrement. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, they, they, male bovine bull. Anyway, you know, true believers in Christ are everywhere. And they are. But you know what? It's just like us just chattering away here. When, this, when, you, have, when you have the spirit of Christ, well, when you recognize that you have the spirit of Christ, it just automatically connects. Well, you'll you'll bump into people and it disconnects, and there's no way around it, and that's just the way it but, is. But we've been told to go search. We're we've been told in the <laughs> system to go and make disciples, go find converts. Actually, they they misunderstood that when it says make disciples, people here go make converts, and that's yeah, right. never been our job, mm. right? Yeah. Our job is to speak yeah. light and see who comes before us to in our connections and. Can, It'll connect the spirit of light. Well, that's that's discipleship. Yeah, you know, they're when they're listening, when I'm listening to somebody and learning from them, I'm being discipled. Correct. And then when I'm doing it and they're gaining from me, I'm doing the discipling. Yeah, just, that's the way it works. And no I mean, one is above the other. I mean, no. Uh, people, people. You know, I said, look, I was. You know, you do not have to be the one that runs their mouth like us to be the one that proclaims Jesus. Your presence in a room proclaims Jesus. Small acts of kindness proclaim Jesus. You know, if you're helping a minister, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you proclaim Jesus Christ without being the one that, I think the guys like us, we ended up in positions we're in because we get put up front because God knows that we need to be watched closely. 
that's good. Because <laughs> we'll get in trouble otherwise. <laughs> well, that's right. We get stuck up in front where everybody. Right, because we get in trouble for what we say all the time, and somebody else will put us in our place to keep us humble. Yeah, that's right. We get we get called and critiqued and this and you My know. My wife usually says, "You said that." <laughs> yeah. Well, the old saying: if you carry, if you carry, if you're the torch carrier, yeah. you're always under the light. The cool thing is that in that journey, I personally have learned a lot because the more I see the light of Christ in others, my tone has changed when I'm in the speaking role. I'm not speaking with the dogmatism of I'm right, you're wrong, or vice versa. There's more of a, can we connect our hearts? Can you see this? Can you catch this? Right? There's a very different tone from preachers who are dictating their system and trying to get you to buy in versus we're sharing the love of Christ. Can you feel it? Can you see it? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's and and kind of around the the beginning topic that the kind of work that I do a lot of is working with people with addictions. Sharing the love of Christ with them works a lot better than penalizing them or talking to them about uh, you know what a sorry drug addict they are and all this kind of stuff. Rather than pointing out things they already know about themselves point out to them who they really are. You know, they are a beloved child of God with Christ living in them that they're, they're in, they're not, they can't believe out, it. they're in. They can't believe it because they, they, they are hearing that God uh, sees their sin, right? That's how they're seeing it. So as you can yeah. tell them that there's a big transition that has to happen in them, a revelation and awakening for them to believe they're forgiven, loved, accepted, right? Like, Sunday, Sunday was our first day back at the chapel since, you know, since COVID and we're going to be going back. There's a young guy. He's probably, he's probably 18, 19 years old, you know, and he's dressed, you know, the hat sideways, the whole shebang. And as I was leaving as this, you know, at the end of the service time and we were leaving, he come running up to me and says, but see, this is, this is the kind of people I deal with. He says, Hey man, he said, I really like the way you by God preach. He said, that's some damn good stuff. That's the way he said it. Love it. And I went, I appreciate that, man. He says, hey, he said, I, I can listen to you, man. I can listen to you. And why? Why do you think that is? There's an because, authenticity there, right? Well, I'm being real. I'm not, I'm not being phony. I'm not being judgmental. I'm I'm one of I'm like. I'm sharing that I'm one of you. I'm not above you. Yeah. Well, I got a question about the addictions part because there's some that are so steeped in shame that they can't reach out for help. Is there, is there any, anything to this idea that the addiction, whatever you call it, isn't the issue. It's a, it's a, a symptom of an issue. Can you elaborate on that for me? Cause I think this is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. That is that is true, and that, and that is actually, believe it or not, the the Alcoholics Anonymous twelve step program. A lot of people condemn it, but I I taught it and participated in it for years. There's a that there's a lot of God inspired stuff inside those writings that just has to be picked and looked at, and that's one of the statements in there is alcohol is but a symptom, so mm-hmm. meth is but a symptom. Dope is but a symptom. You know, uh, sex addiction is a symptom. And what is it a symptom of? It's a symptom of not being spiritually fit or spiritually f- says, it even says in this material, why, why, you know, why do we not, why can't we do this? And it says because it's contingent mm-hmm. upon your spiritual condition. Wow. And if you, it's not, you know, I, I got a big, I got a bottle of water. And by the way, if you notice, it's real water. Get real water. <laughs> but if this is booze, and it's sitting here on this table, is I don't pick it up and drink it. That booze, that that's that's no problem for me. That's no problem. You know what I mean? It's just me taking it and drinking it and getting that. 
if you ever noticed, I don't know how it is in Canada, but there's some like liquor stores and things here it out in front of say wines and spirits. Well, that's what that's all about. They're selling you a spiritual experience. Uh, the, drugs and alcohols are, are imitations of the real deal. Okay. And you're trying to get a spiritual experience in a bottle and a pill and a joint or whatever. And it works temporarily. But then it's gone and you got to keep doing it and it gets sick, all that stuff. Spiritual fulfillment is our wholeness in God, our holiness. Mm. Holiness, holiness. Yeah. Holy. Everything's holy. There's no, there's, I don't, I'm like McVeigh. I don't believe in secular. I don't use that term anymore. There's no, nothing secular. I agree. Everything's holy. And, and, and the symptoms of our problems. Are, are shame and guilt and alcohol and drugs and, uh, well, and whatever it is you do. I mean, it could be, you, you might be a wife beater. People don't like to say, I'll, I'll talk about issues that a lot of people don't like to talk about. You might, be a, you might be a domestic violence perpetrator or something, but you're like a, you're an icon at the church or deacon or whatever. Yeah. And your wife's ashamed to tell on you're sorry, but because she's ashamed too. And there you go. Shame feeds up with shame. Yeah. And it just gets sicker and sicker and sicker until it just festers up and bad things really happen. But it is you said something that's, that's true. All of it's based on shame. The stuff is just symptoms flowing from that shame. We get that foundation right, Jesus Christ, right here. You know, I used to teach that you got to get it here, man. You got to get it here, and then you work it down to here. No, it starts out right here. Mm -hmm. And then it's got to get here, and here's where the problem takes place. We twist it into something that it's not, and that's where the chaos starts. Mm -hmm. But if this matches up with the real thing that's right here, it'll flow, it'll start a flow back and forth that it's real. And before you dead gum know it, it'll make it to your feet and you'll start walking. It won't just be talking it. <laughs> that's amazing. I have a buddy named Reg. You would like him if you don't even know him already. I think he might even be one of your friends. But Reg um, grew up in a Pentecostal church. Um, and uh, he was told through his hell story of stuff he went through that he needed to make Jesus center of his life. And he came to a dark, dark spot in his life and he heard a voice speak to him, but the voice was actually from inside. And the voice was saying, I, I am the center. You can't make me center. However he, he worded it. The, you can't the, make me nothing. The light is already there. And so, mm -hmm instead of people looking for Jesus, did you find Jesus? I didn't know he was lost. You know, like, well, that's my, yeah, he's not lost. No. So this whole idea of, of the center, what the problem is, instead of getting from here to here, the, the awakening from here to know yes. who we are is, is, is boggling and will change every aspect of your life, but there's no rush to it either. Let no. God take care of that. Right. Absolutely. That's right. Right. We're we're gonna wrap this up. Time's up already. That was okay. I'm just rattling on. That I was too fast. I, <laughs> I would like to uh, do this again sometime. I'd like to hear your theological journey of you know stuff that you've wrestled with and what's exciting to you now. What has been well, yeah. um, life giving and exciting for you? Because I think the people you speak to get to hear it. the way you started off our conversation today is what grabbed me is telling people anyone that. God is not mad at you. Like, no, I keep forgetting how important that is. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and I try to start every, se every session I have where I'm supposedly given the message, no matter what the topic is for that day or what, what I think I'm on, I always try to start out. Okay, folks, before we get started, just remember God's not mad at you. I had a person walk out of my church because I declared God's not disappointed in you. And they literally got up, walked out, never saw him again. Why would he be? Why, God's not disappointed in you. He may be sitting there going, 
You know, that's probably not going to work out too good, but <laughs> that's you right. Know what I mean? You know what I mean? Whatever this stupid thing you're about yeah. to do, he may be thinking, oh, that's not going to work out too good, but I'll be well, here when you get back. Well, deal, it boils down to the definition of disappointment too, that it's, it literally means a failed expectation. And God does not have a failed expectation of you. He knows already who you are, what you're going to become, as in who are you going to be fully formed into. He sees yes. the beginning from the end, and he's walking with us through every single step. So it's beautiful. I love yeah. what you're doing there. Well, yeah, and I, I appreciate what you're doing. I mean, I'm glad we're getting uh, a little time together here. Like I said, we've been – We've been connected since the morning coffee days with uh with uh what's McVeigh. <laughs> he and I are communicating a good bit here here lately. Nice. Uh, so, but you know, he only lives two. He lives down in Florida. Sorry, dog. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I just I just like what I do. I enjoy what I do, and I think it's a calling. I grew up too in a Pentecost, southern Pentecostal home. Mm. Of course, I didn't participate. I ran from it, and my mother told me from the age of five or six that I was going to be a minister, pastor someday. And uh, I'm like, when I got older, I was like the middle child who did everything but in trouble. I'll show you <laughs> in trouble, jail, prison, everything. You know, fight, beating people up, all kind of stuff. Wow. And she. Uh, but this is a true story. I know you get get off here, but he said it's kind of like uh, the movie Roots. You remember the movie where oh, yeah. the kids they got presented up? My mother said when I was an infant, she was sick and almost died, and that she presented me to God and, and said, "God, I give this one to you." Now that's her story, not mine. Years later. When I was incarcerated, she wrote a song. She was, she's a, one of them Pentecostal lady, but you know, she's devout in what she believes. She's still alive, by the way, be 95 here soon. Wow. And she said that uh, she was praying. She says, she said, son, God spoke to me. She sent me a letter. And she said, God spoke to me because I'm worried about you, worried about being down in that dangerous place. And said, he said, don't worry. Don't worry, my daughter. He's my high child. <laughs> and she, I mean, that's her story, not mine, but that's what she said. And uh, are you I, suggesting there's more going on behind the scenes than we know? Yeah, whether you, what, no matter what quote religion you claim to be a part of. Yep. Because she said, you know, some of the things she said has came to be. I worked years as a counselor. And she kept saying, you're still going to be a pastor. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm, I've got out of prison. I went from a high school dropout. I got a master's degree in counseling. I'm running 10 treatment centers. What more do you want, mama? Yeah, I was kind of. And she says, yeah, but you know, I'm, you're going to be a pastor. And things just started falling into place. And next thing I know, I ended up being ordained as a pastor. Wow. And she's, guess who was there when I gave my first, first quote sermon? Gonna guess your mama. She was sitting on the back with my older sister. She had Baptist roots or, or what? Because back row is Baptist. No, she, well, that's just because it's close to the kitchen. But uh, <laughs> she said, I went walking by and never forget it. I gave my whatever you want to call it, you know, my first one officially as a guy with the title. And I went walking, I looked down there, she's sitting there, and she looked at me, and all she said was, see? Dad told you so. <laughs> Don't argue with your mama. <laughs> That's awesome. But anyway, uh, you know, there's truth. There's truth, and Christ is in everywhere. People claim to be Pentecostals, Baptists, Methodists, whatever you claim to be. He, wor he, wor he works with all people. And he's bringing them along and everybody is in their different places in their journey. Yep. I call myself multi-tribal because I've been a part of so many. And then I got Jesus tattooed on the chest. Depends on the t-shirt I'm wearing that day. Whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> some days I'm a warrior. Some days I'm a saint. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure having this conversation, Rainey. And uh, we'll do this one again. Thank you so much for taking time with me. I will make sure I'll have stuff posted in the um, uh, description uh, when this is posted about how to get in touch with you and, okay. and see your stuff. So that'd be great. Okay. All right. Thanks we'll so much. Good night, Ian's lighter. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Catch you later. All right. Bye. Alrighty. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation as much as I did. Re-listening to it was phenomenal. Loved it. And uh, uh, honestly, if you know of individuals that are struggling with some addictions, um, hey, put them in touch with Rainey. Uh, I've got uh, links in the description down below to reach out to him. Um, I know that uh, I've had people come and talk to me about addictions and I, I thought I was trained enough to help people. And then I realized, no, this takes time. This takes some specialization just because uh, you have a title as pastor or even Christian. Like not everybody's qualified to handle this stuff. So get to know more people. Find out who can help. And uh, give anyway, give them these links. I think uh, Rainey is one of the best. Uh, he's got a great heart. We're going to bring him back on uh, and talk about his testimony. I'd like to hear his testimony, um, how he got to where he is. Because I heard the convict thing in there every once in a while, but... What's that mean? How did he come out of that into doing what he's doing? Uh, I really want to hear that. So anyway, I, uh, I, I thank you for watching today. I hope it was an encouraging thing. Um, I love the part uh, at the beginning where he spoke uh, to the, the chapel group saying, Hey, look, God ain't mad at you. Or has it? God ain't mad at you. <laughs> I can't do it as good as he can. <clears throat> but that is a great start, you know. And for us, for those who do believe already, um, I think the hardest thing for believers is going to believe that Christ is already in and through everyone. I know that's a hard concept. Some people think you need to pray a prayer to get him into you. Well, that's impossible. He's already there. What you're doing is experiencing the awakening, the awareness of Christ in you. For the light of Christ shines through all of creation, shines through, okay? And if the light that is in them, if that light is darkness, then how great is that darkness? So the light's there, but it may be darkness and people can't perceive it. So when we do believe in Christ as our life, that he is our very life and recognizes in our life. It is then we begin to experience the joy of Christ. All right. Uh, it's like, so the, my question would be to the person who does not think Christ is in everyone. Uh, let me ask a question. Where uh, is a place that Christ is not? Name me one place in all of creation where Christ is not. And I'll tell you, it's an impossibility. Because it is Christ who created all things. It is Christ who holds all things together. It's factual, objective, non-negotiable. So in my mind, that this is how I see it. So I'm pretty adamant about this now. Um, because honestly, we don't have that much power. So let me encourage you to rethink what you've been taught. And keep growing. Don't be satisfied with everything you've been spoon-fed. Maybe you need to take a look at the menu, the ingredients, and revisit uh, some of your, your foundational thinking. And you'll find some of it's great. And then you'll go, wait a minute, how'd that slip in there? That's, that's what's happened all through church history. So enjoy. We'll catch you next week on Still Growing Grace. I hope you uh, enjoyed this conversation. If you liked it, please click like comment and share it because uh this stuff has got to get out there i think it's great news so anyway it's all i got have a really really great day uh i'll catch y'all later bye bye join me next time on still growing in grace for more good news enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca you can also visit HopeFellowshipYCC.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at GrowingInGrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.